Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm sharing my response to more school shootings, part one. I've thought long and hard about the phenomena of school shootings and how school shooters develop and how I can add something of substance to the conversation and honor my lens of growth and good mental health. How do we talk about what is unspeakable? When there is such pain, there is an infinite way to get it wrong. But I know the wrongest thing I can do is let the fear of getting it wrong make me say nothing at all. Something many survivors have told me over the years feels isolating and depressing, dismissive, lonely, even another betrayal from the human tribe. Let me start by telling you what this episode is not. This episode is not necessarily for the victims or the families, even though, of course, it is. And it is not in any way any offered solution that can satisfy us. This episode is sort of for the rest of us who feel heartbroken, saddened, and powerless after awareness of mass death and tragedy, violence. My heart and prayers are with you, all survivors of the Uvalde assault and anyone who has been touched by violence. This is one of those things that I have become an accidental expert over the course of my career in working with the loved ones of murder victims to counsel them through their grief. When you hear me get tearful in this episode, it's because, of course, I am saddened about the recent losses and all of the losses, but also it's because spiritually to create this episode, I have sat with and called in the spirit, the resiliency, and the wisdom of the many clients that I've had since starting my career who suffered not just the unexpected death, but the violent murder of a loved one. To survive the actual violence while others die brings these survivors a mixed bag of the heaviest feelings of survivor's guilt often plaguing survivors with the question, why me, why did I survive? The relief of surviving gets overtaken by the guilt that others didn't make it. Sometimes irrational stories form full of shooting on oneself, like I should have done more. When those of us from the outside can see that surviving was the most that could have been done. 
or it's the most that is fair to expect during the insanity and surrealism of such an assault. Parents who were outside of that school arguing and fighting the police to go after their children will most likely be plagued by what-if stories. What if I would have done it differently? What if I would have broken a window? What if I would have driven my car through a wall? What if I would have grabbed an officer's gun? The officers who possess appropriate personal responsibility, compassion, and empathy will likely plague themselves with, why did I follow orders? Avid followers of my work, how many times have you heard me advocate that you are your own authority figure? This is the worst proof I could ever have of just how important it can be to retain your own authority and never give it away. The what ifs and the pleadings with God or the universe for one more moment with their precious child or loved one. This is the bargaining stage of grief. The stage most unspoken of in the grieving process. The other four stages being denial, depression, anger, and finally acceptance. Survivors face a roller coaster of grief as they move between these stages, and these stages move in no linear way. They move like a pinball moves through a pinball machine, lighting up the different stages of grief in different order at different times, sometimes for obvious reasons like having to drive past the scene of the crime, sometimes for not so obvious reasons like seeing another child in similar clothing to what their child wore or their loved one wore on their last living day, or seeing a random person's walking gait that mimics the walk of the lost loved one. Because we encode the people that we love and cherish into our very beings by registering all kinds of details. We don't consciously realize that we love and know about them. Like the tilt of their head when they are listening. Like the way they lick their top lip after taking a big gulp of their favorite beverage. The way their eyes light up. The way that only they can wrap their arms around us and melt into a hug. Denial is not what most people think it is. In grief, it is nothing like our generalized idea of someone on their 13th beer of the day or 60th drink of the week exclaiming, I don't have a drinking problem. Denial is necessary to slow down the grieving process. It's why we go in and out of denial, thinking thoughts like, I can't wait to tell my loved one about what happened today, only to realize they are dead. And we cannot have such a moment with their human form because it's no longer available. We can only have this conversation with their memory or spirit. And we get to be angry about this in grief, the desperate unfairness, the pain as deep as if some great big monster reached down our throat to rip out all of our insides. We don't just feel grief to be in pain and to hurt y'all. We feel grief equal to our loving capacity. This audience is a highly sensitive one. We feel grief just as deeply and fully as we can feel beauty, devotion, loyalty, dedication, excitement, love, compassion. Being highly sensitive is beautiful when we are in the light and burdensome when we are in the dark. This is the plight of the highly sensitive person. We can't change it. 
we can only grow in our understanding of it and our self-given permission to move through to where there is another side. There is always the other side of pain. If we can just believe in it and help ourselves get there, especially when we cannot see it, like a ship lost at sea who must believe in finding land eventually. As observers of tragedy, we are faced damn near daily now due to technology, speed, and ability to be aware of everything all at once all over the world with the greatest travesties and tragedies getting top billing. We are facing as highly sensitive people this dilemma every day about what to do with our vicarious trauma, our secondhand compassionate empathic heartache and seeming powerlessness over our unavoidable awareness of atrocities that humans continue to enact onto other humans as has been the truth since the beginning of humanity. Predator and prey aren't just constructs for wild animals. Though we prefer as conscious beings to naively believe, because we want it to be true, an innocent inner child in all of us hopes it can be true, but it is likely that it is part of the human condition that some of the tribe turns predatory. We are animals, and some of us show up as predators. We wish to have more control over this and more control over not creating monstrously acting humans is probably possible. It's probably in our collective wheelhouse. And I do believe that the human dilemma of this predatory action by some of us is is less about controlling weaponry and having more laws and more about collectively deciding to go out of our way to nurture, guide, and grow our youth, particularly our young men, into healthy, whole, well-adjusted people. If it takes a village to raise a child well, then we must become, or maybe return to, I'm not sure, embodying the nurturing and caring village these boys need to resist turning their pain or neglect into predatory action and instead choose life and living. If you have lost someone to violence, please move through your grief even if you don't quite know what that means right now in this moment. What I know for sure is that your loved one does not want you to hurt despite the reality that you are and you will. What I know for sure is that your loved one wants you to live and live fully and not use their death to dim your life force. And if you, despite your pain, dig deep and give yourself permission to survive quite possibly the deepest pain you will ever know. Don't drown it in a bottle or prescription. Don't bury it deep and pressurize it like we think of coal turning to diamonds because it won't. You can get to a place where you have moved through the bulk of the pain and can honor their lives by living yours. It is possible and it is available to you. This takes courage, dedication, and a willingness to let that pinball do its thing as you move through the emotions of it all. You will never be the same person you were before this tragic loss. And going back to being the same is not the goal. 
The only real thing we can do for such pain is allow a spiritual awakening, to allow it to break you wide open. And as you move through the grief, you will be put back together again and differently and with an indescribable strength earned by forcing yourself to the other side. It will take a long time, maybe all the days of your life, but the shape, texture, and size of the pain will change as you grieve and do what you never ever wanted to do. Let go, move on, and live. Anger is part of the process and cannot be skipped. If you are angry at me now in grief because I have said something that you didn't like, or if you are just angry at me because I'm speaking on this topic and you have so much raw anger that it just needs somewhere to go for now, it's so okay to be mad at me, angry at me, to write me an F you, you don't get it, no one gets it, I hate everybody letter to process your pain. If you need to scream into a pillow or while driving where no one can hear you in your car and scream obscenities at me, at the perpetrator, or at all perpetrators of the world, I don't take it personally. I don't take it personally, and I'm not scared of your anger. If I'm scared of anything, I'm scared for you of burying your anger, which is likely what each shooter has done to get to the explosive moment of letting it out through violence. Depression is often anger turned inward. Just don't swallow, wallow, or lie down in surrender to it. Use the anger to fight through and resist the depression. Though there may be no way through without the heartbreaking season of depression. Just don't get stuck. Don't stop. Keep moving. That ship lost in the ocean will find land if it keeps floating long enough. You can And I hope you decide to use a stubborn self-message of, damn it, I will get to the other side. I will live again, despite the soul-crushing power of this grief, when I am ready, as I can. Do it for you, and do it for the person you lost, especially when you can't do it for yourself. Do it until you wind up living again, as your loved one would want. Part two that is coming might surprise you, might piss you off. And again, I've got to be okay with that. All of my life, I have had an aversion to what is popular. A long time ago, I accepted that I was born to beat the drum of an individualist. And the more I've learned and grown, I've learned to love myself. And what that means is that I like and love and trust my gut over what is popular What I see popularized is screaming into the void, screaming at each other, even saying F you if you don't support gun control and F you back for wanting to enact more gun laws. I don't care what camp you are in or if you're in between. If you are online throwing F you vibes at other people, I see you as part of the problem. I picture the next shooter A radicalized 15-year-old spending too much time online because we all know they all are spending way too much time online and soaking up the F-U-ness of all of it. And it breaks my heart for him and his future victims. 
anyone giving themselves permission to throw FU energy because they're upset at anyone online for any reason, you are part of the problem, no matter how righteous your ego feels about it. It's time to grow up and be the change you want to see in the world. Our youth needs maturity modeled, not rage. So I'm going to do what my mental health expertise as a full-time trauma addictions and grief specialist for 16 years tells me to do. I am someone who has worked with depressed and homeless youth in high schools and homeless shelters, as well as the families and friends of murder victims. And I'm going to do what my gut and heart say is useful, not necessarily popular. The next episode will be about what is beautiful, unique, and amazing about masculinity. I am someone who was abandoned by a father, sexually abused by an adoptive father, been in two highly dysfunctional long-term relationships with men, and I love and adore men and deeply appreciate masculinity. This next episode will be my effort to highlight, uplift, and love on men and masculinity. In every fiber of my human and spiritual being, I believe this is what young men need, and they need all of us to do it. If you are grieving in the ways I've outlined today and you need to skip the next episode because it's not right for where you are emotionally, do it. Skip it. Take care of yourself. It will be there to come back to if you ever want it. This is how I will contribute to the solution versus focusing on the problem. To all of the highly sensitive men who have ever walked through my life since I was a very little girl and all of you out there who I'll never meet, I see you, I believe in you, and I love you. Young men, if you are angry or hurting or just confused, please never choose violence. I know it doesn't seem like it, but you won't feel how you feel right now forever. If you just let yourself grow and evolve. There are so many people out there like me willing to guide you on how to feel better and have a solid, good life. And you deserve that no matter what has happened to you, no matter what has told you differently, no matter how many people have hurt you or wronged you or betrayed you or forsaken you or neglected you or abused you. I hope you tune in for the next episode so you can borrow my eyes to see yourself through. To the survivors of murder I've known and all who I'll never know. I think about you. I see you. I love you and I believe in your ability to move through the pain and despair. To honor your own life and that of your loved one. Thank you to all of you who have ever worked with me because you have been my greatest teachers. You have shown me strength that I didn't know was possible. And I hope to take that strength and pass it forward to those who need it. I'm ending today with the serenity prayer. God or the universe, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Light and love. I'm an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I will see you right here next time with the next episode. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye-bye.